Hey, and welcome to Colorful Conversations, brought to you by the creators of Kaleidoscope Living. I'm Tia, your host and occasional referee. Hey, I'm Tasha. And I'm Joe. We know from experience that living your best life begins with creating a home you love. So on this podcast, we chat about DIY, home design, and life at home. Our goal is simple. We want you to learn something useful and to have fun every time you listen. All right, y'all, here we go. All right, today we're talking about how to find a good contractor. But first, we're going to talk about what's happening on the home front. Joe, do you want to go first? Sure. Well, um, our girls are winding down with swimming. Yes. And so we're just kind of moving into our spring. We've got some renovations planned. We just finished our dining room. Yep. Um, So that's pretty much wrapped up. And I think that's it. We're ready for some warmer weather. I know that. And less rain. It's been a crazy, 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 rainy day. (laughs) A crazy, rainy winter. I cannot get over it. But yeah, we finished our dining room, that reveal. So now, ironically, we kind of have to disassemble the dining room and start purging and packing the kitchen. So that is what is at the forefront of my mind these days. Because Demo Day, D-Day, is March 18th. Um, And it's going to be quite a process because we have to basically empty the kitchen. And though we will be setting up a temporary kitchen in our dining room, we can't do that until the floor of the dining room is ripped out. So we basically have to clear out half of our downstairs, shift it, only to then shift half of it back. It's going to be, ooh, it's going to be a situation. I'm sure we'll have some funny stories about it. Crazy week or two to start it off. Yeah. Yeah. Hit the the ground running. (laughs) All right. So let's do a quick... Test your love game. Let's do it. How well well you know each other. And since we're talking about how to find a good contractor, let's find out what is your least favorite renovation. So, Joe, what do you think Tasha's least favorite renovation project has been? Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, Oh, I know. I hope I get the same question. I'm going to nail it. Go ahead. No pressure. (laughs) I'm going to say the garage. Oh, that is yeah. such a good answer. Because we did. We had to, we redid the floor. We did the whole epoxy thing on the floor. Mm-hmm. We did all this on the wall storage. We painted it not once, but twice. Yeah, and that, it is not small. No. Mm-hmm. So big garage. that was, I'm guessing, one of the worst. You know, what's funny is that's not what immediately popped into my head, but that. It's only because I blocked it from my memory, like you might block childbirth. Right. Yes, that was my least favorite. Birthing okay. the garage. The, the only thing, the thing that softened the blow is I knew how much it meant to you to get it organized and get it. And so that that helped a little bit, but it, that was rough. It wasn't it, fun. It was important because we want to use it for the girls to be, you know, to have t- toys and bikes. And yeah. we also put a car in there. And the tools. tools and wood and just supplies were taken over. And mm-hmm. so we had to do something. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. it was a necessary renovation. But, True. But, right. but, but it sucked. Yeah. All right. So what do you think, Joe's? I think Joe's. I think you kind of answered it. but Well, I think Joe's least favorite home project so far was replacing all of the carpeting upstairs with the laminate flooring that we use. Um, and I will link to the laminate flooring in the show notes because I know people are going to ask. It's amazing. But I, our upstairs is not small and we needed to run it in the hallway as well. And to do continuous um, flooring installation 
with walls already in place is not, it is no joke. I was determined that I did not want threshold pieces in the doorways. Mm. And it was kind of a nightmare. It was tough. And I think it was, it's a huge room. And so we had to kind of get to a point and got into our closet and we had to work backwards. It was awful. Which that material isn't really meant to do. And so, you know, so, but we did it. We did it. It looks amazing. And it was like you would move it really, when you're in this open space, it moves so fast and you're, you're going from board to board and then you get to these doors and nooks and crannies and you have to be so precise if especially the way we were trying to do it without the thresholds and it and it worked out (laughs) i mean it looks great now you can look i mean it's you know from one end of the house to the other and it does look great yeah and there's just uninterrupted so but it it complicated things exponentially of course of course was that did i nail it yeah, I think I remember there was a lot of uh, vocabulary. Uh-huh. <laughs> Had you blocked that from your memory when she bought the garage? <laughs> there were some colorful conversations, if you will, some yeah. colorful commentary during that project. All right. Well, hopefully we'll never have to relive either of those projects. Mm, agreed. So hopefully those are done mm-hmm, for a while. Mm-hmm. All right. This is No Ordinary Podcast. Let's make sure we are. All, you are following us on Instagram at tasha.kaleidoscope because that is where we announce our upcoming topics and you could submit your questions for us to answer and if we pick your question to answer we'll send you a free gift swag swag <laughs> also if you want to rewatch any episodes we will be uploading the videos to our youtube channel and if you want to see all the many facial expressions as we chat you can go there to see them I've been told I have many a facial expression. Joe often makes fun of me. It might be beneficial that you kind of can't always see me behind the microphone. (laughs) Maybe distracting. All right. So you ready to talk about fun and a good contractor? Yes, let's do it. Close to your heart? It is. We just did it. So. All right. Well, a little bit of background. Um, We're tackling this because obviously no one ever intends to hire a bad contractor, but unfortunately it does happen more, more than you would think. All the time. And I feel like, you know, if anyone out there is like us and watches HGTV and the DI Network at all ever, you see these shows like Rescue My Renovation and Homes on Mm. Homes on Homes and they're all basically... So stressful. It's so So stressful. stressful. They're documenting how horrible these contractors are and how they've come in and basically ruined everything and they've almost always taken the money. It's just... Anyway, so it's a hot topic. Um... And in doing some research for this episode, I discovered that complaints filed against home improvement contractors rank among among the top five complaint categories year after year in New York City. Now, I don't know what those stats would look like, you know, here in Greensboro, North Carolina, but I felt like New York City was probably a good good pulse point because there's so many people there. Um, so in 2017, which were the most recent stats I could find, there were over 1,100 complaints filed against contractors. And get this, $1.5 million in fees were issued. Um, so bottom line is it's just a really prevalent, prevalent problem, um, especially because, and we'll go into this, but especially because the way contracts are structured, you're almost always required to pay something upfront and then they jet with your money and it's a whole situation. So we thought, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's hopefully help people avoid this problem in their own lives. Goodness. Mm. And this topic as you mentioned, is super, super close to our hearts right now because 
Much to, I think, everyone's surprise, we decided <laughs> to hire out our kitchen renovation. Um, I mean, it, it's just a much more complex project than we've ever tackled before. So I think what we're going to do first is we're going to walk you through how that happened for us, what that process looked like for us. And then in the second part of this episode, we're going to go through concrete tips you've listed out for you so that when you are hiring a contractor, you'll know exactly the questions to ask and the process to follow. Awesome. Joe, do you want to tell us um, how it came to be that you guys ended up hiring a contractor? Yeah. So, you know, we've, we do all these projects and we have had a house before that we renovated the kitchen and we took everything out. We gutted it. There were things that we didn't have to do, like flooring was you know, really yeah. in great, great shape. And we weren't moving walls or doing anything like that. We weren't doing anything to change the footprint. We were doing Ikea cabinets. And so that was comfortable for us. We'd done Ikea furniture before and we knew the assembly process. Plus it was also a pretty small kitchen. And yeah. so really the only thing we had help with was some, a little bit of electrical work and a gas line had to be moved to the range. So that was obviously out of our, our realm, but um, we were otherwise comfortable doing that, that project by ourselves. Yeah, and so we talked about it. I mean, our I think when we went into kitchen planning mode for this house, our baseline assumption is that we were going to be doing this work ourselves. But in this house, pretty much everything, literally nothing is staying where it is originally. Mm -hmm. So the entire footprint is changing. All walls are coming down. I mean, it's just a whole different ball game. And what we eventually concluded is that we were going to need to hire at, we're not structural engineers. We don't want to deal with permits. So our thought initially was, well, you know what? We're going to hire out probably a lot of the demo and then we're going to let them rough it all in, get the plumbing where it needs to be electrical. And then we'll make it, we'll put it back together. We'll do the cabinet install. We were still planning on doing um, Ikea cabinets again. And that's what our plan was. And then we started talking to contractors. We did. And so we knew some people that uh, we had worked with in the past. We wanted to talk with them. And we also just really wanted to see what other people's experiences were. So we talked with somebody, a friend that had a great experience with their contractor. And when we met with him and he came over and we, you know, started with our plan. He was, he <laughs> shut us down. He said, I'm not the guy for you. He did. I mean, it was really interesting. I mean, we were very upfront with him and said, you know, I think we want to really just have this roughed in, then we'll make it pretty. I explained, you know, this is really how I make my living. You know, I blog about how we do these things. So, and he said, well, yeah, I mean, exactly what Joe said. I mean, he said, well, I am not the guy for you. If you're going to use Ikea cabinets, that takes me out of the running because part of the, you know, part of what they do is sell cabinetry. And that's part of the bread and butter of their business. So I appreciated his candor. But what was awesome is he said, but since I am here, let like you let's chat about it. Like, let me look at the plans you've drawn up because we had done all of that with the kitchen Ikea planner. Um, and that's when it really started to become clear to us that the kitchen renovation we had tackled in our last house was such a different beast than this. Um, so for example, he said, I, I love and admire this very large kitchen island you're planning on. That's nice. <laughs> um, are you planning on using a solid surface countertop? Yes. I don't think you can put 10 feet. I mean, it's going to be just shy of 10 feet. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> of um, solid surface on top of Ikea cabinets. 
because Ikea cabinets, though they're great, and I would recommend them till I am blue in the face to most people. They were amazing in our last kitchen. They're made, they're ready to assemble. So the joints are like cam, they're called cam locks and they're made of ply, you know, the cabinet boxes are made of plywood. And he was like, it is very likely that the cabinets will rack and buckle under the, the weight. Yeah, it's like that particle board. So it's, yeah, it's not, even, board, not yeah. even as strong as plywood. So yeah. it's all like glued up materials. And, yeah. And the cam We locks, didn't know that. What if you would have just put that slab Dude, on there and it would go boom? It would have been <laughs> such a yeah. situation. Like a sandwich flat. And it wasn't just that. He said, actually, if you shorten it by even like eight inches, you... If you, if you do it really to the size that you want, you're not going to be able to get a seamless um, slab, even if you get an oversized slab. Like, we didn't know that. Yeah. And so that's a whole other extra expense that – Yeah. And so, you know, these things kept coming up in our conversation with them, and, he, and we're – we know, obviously, hiring somebody to do all of this is going to cost, you know, a lot a of lot. money. <laughs> but at the same time, going at it the way we were going at it, we were going to cost ourselves a lot of money a making lot. mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, we already knew the way we were going to open things up, that there was no way we were doing this by ourselves anyway. Yeah. And so once we looked at some of the changes that were going to need to be made, we just – we decided, yeah, it was time to yeah. hand this one over. I think another big factor is the timing. So having, you know, a dining room out of commission, not a big problem. Having a kitchen out of commission for a lengthy period of time, especially for as TNOs, Joe and I don't eat out very often. <laughs> we cook really all of our meals. Almost never. <laughs> yeah. Tia's always like, you've never been to that restaurant. Do you ever leave your house? <laughs> So the other thing that became clear in talking to the contractor that we ultimately hired is, and he, just to make it clear to the audience, he was not trying to talk us out of it. He was trying to help us troubleshoot. Like this was not a man who was trying to drum up business for himself. He said, you know, you probably can find somebody who will do this. He will rough it. You know, you can find somebody who will do it. They will rough it in for you. They will handle the inspections and then you can kind of put it back together. However, what you need to think about is when the contractor says, okay, the sheetrock's done. You can start installing the cabinets and then you're done with the cabinets and you need the next step to press. You're going to be at the mercy of their schedule. They can't just keep this extended opening on their schedule for you. And so I think we also both started thinking, Oh my God, we're going to be without a kitchen for like six months. If we, if we do that, if we DIY a big component of it, it is going to cause scheduling nightmares with inspections and also getting the contractor to need the parts that we need them to do. So we don't want that. And the contractor we ultimately hired because he is referral only, you cannot find him in the phone book. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. And one of the things that appealed to us about him and the friend who had used him said, you know, they are in a very major thoroughfare in Greensboro. And so they said, you're welcome to put a sign up. And he said, I don't do signs. I don't do advertising. I am referral only. And the reason they do that and they keep really a tight rein on their schedule is it basically guarantees that they can start and finish a kitchen in six to seven weeks, period. And I was like, yes, we need that in our lives. Well, you don't want somebody who walks in and goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get into it and they're like, oh, yeah, we can't. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. No, he, he was not a yes man. <laughs> you don't want a yes man. You don't want somebody who's going to get make you believe you can do all these things and have a 10-foot island that has no seam when, in fact, that's not the case. And he was definitely not a yes man. So I think the most unexpected thing came out of it, which is, 
we, he left that meeting and I said, you know, I think we really need to think about this. How, you know, what, how far are you booking out? And yeah, I mean, lo and behold, we went from him saying, I am not the guy for this job. If you want to do it yourself, that's cool. Here are all the things you need Good to luck. think. <laughs> Here are all the things you need to think about. And maybe it was a Jedi mind trick. I don't know, but I don't think so. I think we just ultimately realized the scope of this job is one that needs to be hired out. And I think we found the perfect guy for it. So, um, yeah, I think that's really the background of how we, of our story of how we ultimately Mm -hmm. hired a contractor. And so what are we going to do now, Joseph? So... I think now um, that we've got that background out, we're just going to kind of go over some specific tips and help you find your own remodeling contractor. All right. So let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back to hear all y'all's great tips. Do any of these words describe how you feel about your home? Uninspired, embarrassed, tired, boring, or overwhelmed? Y'all, these are words I hear all the time from readers who ask me for design advice, and it kills me. It breaks my heart to know that there are that many people out there that are so unhappy with their homes. So I decided to do something about it. Um, Almost a year ago, I created Designer in a Binder, a comprehensive step-by-step workbook and ebook in one that teaches you how to design spaces that you love. And you get it all for less than the cost of one hour with an interior designer. To purchase Designer in a Binder, visit designerinabinder.com. And as a big thank you for listening, you can enter the code PODCAST to receive 25% off either package. Right now, Designer in a Binder is only available in digital form, but spoiler alert, we're working on creating a physical version now, and more details about that will be coming soon. All right, Joe, hit us with tip one. All right, so the first thing you want to do is understand what your area requires in terms of licensing. And so different areas have different rules and regulations. You want to make sure that you understand that. Uh, North Carolina, the uh, construction project that has costs of $30,000 or more requires a contractor to be licensed. Yeah, it does. I mean, basically, you need to understand what the requirements are so that you can make sure your contractor is meeting the requirements. And what's interesting about our contractor is he's actually not a general contractor. He is specifically licensed to do uh, kitchen and bathroom construction projects. So my under, you know, the fact that I understand that is helpful, but it allows him to pull building permits for those types of projects. So you want to understand what the requirements are, and then you have to ask the question, hey, are you licensed? What is your general contractor license number? You know, whatever. You actually want to vet the information. Do not make assumptions that they have licenses uh There's a very, I feel like all of these homes on home and rescue my renovation, I feel like at least 50% of them are like, well, we found out they weren't licensed. So don't let that happen to you. I think that's kind of another tip really of its own. You know, we got a guy who just does kitchens and bathrooms and not somebody that's doing every room in everybody's house. And so they're very, you know, he's very specific to what he does. So he has a really great knowledge of those areas. Yes. And that's kind of what we, I think we saw come out in our discussion with him is that he was he was on top of it. He knows his game and his game is kitchen and bathrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Like the specialist. 
Yes. Yeah. It's like you wouldn't go to a general surgeon to have your knee repaired. You'd go to the ortho. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I agree. Good tip. It wasn't even on the list. Well done, okay. sir. You got it. Uh, number two is, this is a Tasha tip because I don't know if Joe would necessarily agree with this. I know that Tia and Anthony recently had a disagreement about this. I think it is very helpful to have a general idea of what you want before you get estimates. I think it would have been very challenging for us if we had just brought people in and said, hey, we want a pretty kitchen. We want white cabinets and we want a blue island. The fact that we had actually given it a lot of thought and we knew we want basically a giant island and this is like a non-negotiable for us elicited much more helpful information like, hey, you can't do that with one slab. Hey, that's probably going to crush your Ikea cabinet. So I think it was helpful to have a general a vision, have your own vision. They will tweak it which is super helpful, but it is best for everyone, I think, for there to be an overall vision before you start talking to people. I think it allows you to get a more accurate estimate. Uh, because what happens is if you say, well, we don't really know what we want, and they put something together and on paper, and the estimate is 25000 and then you say, well, actually, we really... We really want a 10-foot island and we want this. And they go back to the drawing board and your estimate goes up to 40000 No one's going to be happy about that. So have a general sense of what you want before you start getting estimates. So you kind of go back to one of our previous podcasts where we talked about mood boards and yes. the planning process. Yeah. The designer and the binder and putting this stuff out there and whether it's on paper, on a computer program. And having details as much as you can as, you know, I guess, you know, call ourselves amateurs as far as like yeah. planning goes. But, um, you know, there's great tools out there and to kind of help you along that process and get get something on paper that they can see what your vision is. And they may take a lot of red ink to it, but at least they have yeah. an idea of what your plan is and what your vision is. Well, and actually, uh, that's a great point. And it reminds me that one of the other contractors we actually met with to talk about this job I said, I actually said, what is most helpful to you um, to move on? Like We had talked about general stuff with him. I said, what do you need from us to actually give us a concrete estimate? And should we assume that certain things might be obstacles? Like we have a drain pipe in, that comes down through a kitchen wall. And I thought his advice was good, which is, Start by coming up with your dream kitchen renovation, and we can work backwards from there if yeah. we find that there are obstacles that cannot be overcome. And I think that's great advice. Don't assume, like that drain pipe we assumed was going to be such an issue. And each contractor we met with and really started solidly talking to was like, yeah, that shouldn't be a big deal at all. And we were we were almost going to design around it, which would have been a total mistake. All right. Number three. All right. So you want to do some research and you want to ask around for recommendations and there's different ways of doing that. You can obviously look on the internet. Um, you can do word of mouth, which I think is probably one of the better ways yeah. because you know people that have gone through this experience already with this person and they're going to tell you, you know, I'm sure they're not going to recommend somebody if they had problems. And so, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, from somebody hopefully that you trust and um, they give you a good recommendation. It's it's something that I would definitely follow up on. And then, you know, on the Internet, you got the like Angie's List, like membership sites. And then you also have uh, the next door site, which is for neighborhoods. And so you'll have people specifically in your neighborhood that have used different contractors and and they'll go on there and you know, either give you a thumbs up or thumbs down for them. Yeah. Also, 
make general observations in your neighborhood. Like I can tell you that um, some of the neighbors who live very near us in the neighborhood are having bathrooms worked on. And we have observed on our own that the, the contractors have been there for I mean, it's been over six months, and that seems, given that Joe and I completely renovated our girls' bathroom while working full-time, much more quickly than that, that it was something that we stuck in our back pocket and thought, I don't think that's a contractor we want to reach out to. It seems like perhaps they're not using their time very efficiently. (laughs) Well, and also pay attention to who's working in your neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if you live in, like, like we live in historical. Yes. So... There's going to be people who don't want to touch historical houses, and then there's going to be people who specialize in them. And 100%. Such a good point. And in your neighborhood, you want somebody who has a real appreciation for, like, the historic character. And right. if they're adding something new to it, there I think there really is an art to making it feel seamless. Which was really important yes. to me when we were talking about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's an excellent point. Um, the other thing I would mention is you you just never know where the recommendations are going to come from. So ironically, the friend that recommended this contractor to us lives in Greensboro, uh, same city as us. We go to the same pool in the summer. Our kids are on the swim team together. But I didn't see her in person and her say, hey, I have, you know, we redid our kitchen. She is actually, she purchased designer in a binder, unbeknownst to me. I didn't even realize it until I saw her in the Facebook group one day. And she was posting um, pictures for feedback from the group about her backsplash tile and her hardware, which is kind of what the whole purpose of the Facebook group is for. And I messaged her and I said, hey, Mary, would you be willing to share with me the information about your kitchen contractor? Because we're about to take, you know, take on that endeavor. So I didn't even know from like seeing her fairly regularly that they had done that. But I'm it, it wound up being beyond helpful. A, that's how we got his name. B, we were able to go over to her house and see and touch and feel the merchandise, if you will. I know mm-hmm. you like to do that. I guess. I got to see it and <laughs> she touch has it. to see it and touch it. I'm usually not that way, but for something as big as an investment as like a kitchen, it was very, very helpful that we could go over and see her kitchen that they had done from start to finish. Well, you can just put it on Facebook and say, hey, has anybody... Well, that that's true. Ask when in doubt. Ask, ask, the, ask people. the people. Ask the people everything. Ask. Uh. I do no research for myself. <laughs> Tia doesn't. She is the queen of being like, yeah. hey, Facebook people. Yeah. Um, What's I'm, the best laundry detergent? <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> Go. But it, it, it is super effective. People want to share. They want to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. They do. The one thing I would caution people about is if you... It's like, what do they call it? Critics math. People are much more likely to share a bad experience oh, yes. than a positive one. So don't be discouraged if all you hear are bad experiences. It's <laughs> just that people tend to be more vocal about it. There will be people who may be a little less quick to say, actually, mine was great. People just love to vent about their bad experiences. But you'll find the good ones. <laughs> At least you can mark people off your list. That's true. <laughs> no, no. It'll be like the cutlery from yep. Crate and Bear. Anyway. That's all right. Um, so, Yeah. So from there, the next step would probably be you want to, once you have some names, you want to go to a site like the Better Business Bureau and check and see if there's any complaints against those contractors. And there may be other ways of doing that too, looking online and just seeing, you know, if there's some more information out there. But the Better Business Bureau, every area has it, use it, it's a tool, 
And yeah. uh, at least is a, is a good place to start. Yeah, I would say like at a minimum, go to the Better Business Bureau because it is that is one thing that is the same no matter where you live. Otherwise, you know, every state should have some form of like a consumer protection agency. And that is probably one that I would say is worth inquiring about as well. Uh, but that's going to be so different from state to state. Just, you know, hop on your friend Google and and find at least in addition to the Better Business Bureau, maybe one other um, consumer protection type agency in your area and at, find out if they have had any complaints filed against them. Um, and I think, is it the last tip? Let's see. Hold on. I got to flip my page here. Oh, no, we have more. Um, we did skip over this one. I know we talked about earlier finding out whether they're licensed. You also want to confirm, if you're a note taker, please write this down, whether they are <laughs> bonded and insured. For the love of God, they need to be bonded and insured. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. But if you take only one thing away from this, please make it be that they are licensed, bonded, and insured. I feel like there should be a commercial for that in some form. <laughs> so definitely you've already gone online, you've got some information from people, and maybe you've narrowed it down. And now from that contractor, I would ask for references. Yep. Ask them who, you know, who is somebody that you can call or possibly even go see some of the projects that they've done. And that way you can get your hands on what they've done and – Hopefully, you know, at that point, you're getting some more water mouth and kind of understanding yeah. the process a little more in depth. Yep. We did that um, when we had the deck added onto our last house. We said, hey, can you give us some addresses of decks that you've done? And we drove around and looked at them. <laughs> I mean, we didn't necessarily hop out of the car and like hang out and have a beer on the deck, but at least we got to, to see them. So yeah, always get references. And a lot of contractors will have some actually written, kind of like you're applying for a job. They'll actually have them written up with phone numbers. They will have already gotten advanced permission from these clients to have new potential clients call them. So if they offer that for sure, hit them up and ask how their experience was. So if they don't have references, red flag. Probably. If, they're, if they are not willing to give you a single name or single. number, that might be a problem. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. Exactly. Mark them off the list. Uh, and then I would say no matter who you decide to go with, part of their process should be to give you detailed drawings. Detailed drawings, an actually line item estimate, as well as the anticipated timeline for your project. So it's great to have conversations about all of these things, and you should be in regular communication with your contractor, but there should also be things that are in writing, and that should include drawings. If they don't have the capacity to do drawings for you, I would say that that is a red flag. And you want a breakdown of the estimate of exactly what the scope of work is, as well as the timeline. And I think, you know, if you're doing like a fence or a deck, you probably, you know, somebody may be able to sure. hand you like a, you know, pencil drawn yeah. idea of what that, you know, of what they're planning on doing. But on a napkin. For, yeah. <laughs> on a napkin. I mean, yes. I'll take it. But a, but a kitchen, I mean, that huge expense, you want somebody yeah. that has the software, probably like some kind of CAD software yeah, yeah. where they can go in there and be very precise. It is such a huge expense. You can't, you know probably can't go and do yeah. too little when it comes into that planning process. Agreed. You don't want something not to fit. No. No. Exactly. 
Uh, you also want to make sure, so when you get the breakdown of the scope of work and the estimate, you want to make sure that the payment terms are, they make sense and they're not alarming. So I have actually in researching for this episode, there were some people who said never pay a contractor any money in advance. I don't think that's practical, y'all. I mean, our... They got a job, too. They got a job, too. They got families. (laughs) And when they're ordering, you know, $20,000 worth of cabinetry for you, you probably... I mean, they... They need the money before they actually go buy the things for you. So I don't take issue with some advance payment. Our our guy, just for people who are curious, required, a, was it a 30% deposit? I think we were 50%. Oh, just kidding. 50%. So we require, he, he required a 50% deposit. To, that did two things. A, it enabled him to order the cabinetry because he pays for that when it's ordered. Plus it's, there's some kind of custom process to doing this. Even, you know, they're going to build these cabinets for us and we picked yeah. a paint color and so it's not like he's it's just not going, like going to the home depot picking and cabinets yeah. off the shelf <laughs> yeah yeah yes exactly they're semi-custom cabinets so there he was going to be you know front loading that expense it also secured our spot on his calendar but now we don't pay the next i think it's 20 percent more when the cabinets are installed in my house and then we don't pay the final amount until all the work is completed. And this part is important to our satisfaction. So until we say we are happy, you have caulked every nook and cranny and touched up every single thing and everything looks 100% amazing. We don't pay them that final installment. And I think there's, you know, should be kind of like a final walkthrough. And we even uh, kind of got more specific with that. And our contractor said, you know, we come back I can't remember if it was four weeks or six weeks after. Yep. And that way, if anything is settled, they recalk things. Yes. There's, you know, cabinets, they have adjustments on them. And so You'll they come notice back. things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when, things, once you start using it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And things need to be fine-tuned. And that's part of what they do. And yes. so that's part of the, the, the final process for them. Yes. The only other thing I want to mention with this point is you want to make sure that any money you are giving your contractor goes into an escrow account. In other words, it's not going in. They're holding that money in trust for your project. It shouldn't just be deposited in Joe Schmo's bank account that he can write checks from. It should go into a specific kind of account. And I think that brings us to our final tip. You want to tell it, Joe? or at least start us off on it, you want to make sure that the contractor is paying your subcontractors. Sure. And definitely you want to make sure that they're getting, that you're getting proof because the contractor, it's his responsibility, but it's your house and the the subcontractors can put a mechanics lien on your house. And so in the end, you may be responsible for paying twice for the work that was done because you could have <laughs> already prepaid <laughs> some for your contractor general contractor to do all the planning and processing of this. But if those subcontractors aren't happy, it's you that they come after. Yeah. And it's very confusing. I don't know why they're called mechanics liens. They may be called different things in different states, but that makes it sound like somebody's working on your car. It's not. It's basically anyone who's performed labor on your house and has not been paid for it can put a lien on it so that you cannot sell it. And if you don't satisfy the mechanics lien, they can force the sale of your house. Like it's a very serious thing that a lot of people are not aware of because they're thinking, 
dude, I paid my contractor $40,000. It doesn't matter if the, if the contractor is not paying your subcontractors, they independently have a right to put a mechanics lien on your house. So you want some proof and reassurance that the subs are being paid. The other thing I would say is this does kind of relate to, you know, doing your due diligence. What you might find is complaints from subcontractors about not being paid. And you should take those probably more seriously than even like individual homeowner complaints. You know, homeowners may be may complain about the fact that, you know, all the doors weren't adjusted well on their cabinets. But if you find a subcontractor who says, you know, this contractor skipped out on me and I never got my bill paid, run for the <laughs> run for the hills. That just happened to our, our oh, friend's no. neighbor. Oh, mm-hmm. What happened? The sub I don't know. Paid? The neighbor came and knocked on the door and said, our contractor hasn't paid our subcontractors. What can I do? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's. I mean, there's really not much you well, can my, do And my neighbor was them. like, I mean, our friend was like, I don't know what to tell you. It's <laughs> Call terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Well, definitely. I mean, that, that just kind of drives the point home that it's a huge investment. And so you want to take it seriously. And it's, you know, you're especially... It's your house. I mean, in the end, it's something that is going to add value and you want to make sure that you're investing that money wisely, just like you would if you were hitting the stock market. Yeah. So that's it. Those are our tips, y'all. It's not, I mean, it sounds, I think, a little bit overwhelming. And frankly, it felt a little bit overwhelming until we started doing it. And I think, you know, keep, do all of these steps, but also you want to listen to your gut. Even if all of these, you know, you can check these boxes off, they're licensed, they're insured, they have great reviews. If something in your gut is telling you this is not the person for your job, I would also listen to that. You want a good personality mesh on top of everything. Yeah, these people are going to be up in your house all the time. So we were talking about that with our contractor. You know, we set the day, March 18th, and he said, that is the day we put a lockbox on your house. And we Mm -hmm. basically have permission to be in your house working between 8 and 6 every single day. It's a lot. I know. It's a lot. Especially for you. (laughs) Oh, we're such homebodies. I mean, it is going to be... It's going to be very disruptive. But again, this goes back to why I'm so happy it will take only six to seven weeks. I can't right. imagine enduring it for six months. Hi. All right. Well, I feel like that's, we've, we really we hit, did we it. hit the contractor. We did. Hard. That's we good. Did. Yeah. Um, all right. Next time on Colorful Conversations, Joe and Tasha will talk about love and renovations. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. yep. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you don't have to wait until next week to connect with us. Yes. You can find us pretty much around the clock on Instagram. I'm at Tasha.Kaleidoscope. And you can find us on Facebook at Kaleidoscope Living. Also, check out our YouTube channel. We've been uh, hitting up more video content recently. And so we're going to be adding fresh stuff there pretty regularly. Also, as a big thank you for listening, we have an awesome free guide called Five Easy Steps to Design a Room You Love. This would be the perfect thing to download and go through to help you come up with your overall vision for a space before you start interviewing contractors. To get it, text design tips, all one word, to 44222 and we will deliver it to your inbox. Again, it's design tips, all one word, to 44222. And if you don't mind, we'd love to hear from you. And so if you would leave a review on whatever app you're listening to, uh, we appreciate every single review. And if we ever feature yours on the podcast, we'll send you something as a thank you. Swag. I feel like we need to be able to hit a button that just says swag. (laughs) 
And last thing before we leave, if you want to tell us something, make us laugh, ask us a question or anything else, just email us at podcast at kaleidoscopeliving.com. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Woohoo. Thanks Thank for you. listening. Bye. Bye.